Welcome to the Athens Frontline, a podcast presented by the Red and Black that covers topics in health and wellness. I'm your host, Simran Kaur Malhotra, here to discuss new cancer detecting technology, circulating tumor cells, and what the future of cancer looks like with Dr. Lei Dong Mao. Support for this podcast is provided by the Cox Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership. For more information, visit grady.uga.edu slash Cox Institute. Dr. Lei Dong Mao is an associate professor and electrical engineer in the College of Engineering at the University of Georgia. He creates opportunities for students to conduct cutting-edge nanotechnology research. His current research interests include nanoscale magnetism and its application in biomedical applications such as cell sorting, single-cell study, droplet microfluidics, hyperthermia, and magnetic nanomanipulations. Hello, Dr. Mao. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Of course. I'm so glad that we have you. And it's such an important topic. You know, I've had people in my life that have been affected by cancer. And it seems like, although it's one person that gets affected by cancer, it affects everyone around them as well. It's a very interesting yet devastating disease. So you are doing some really important research at the forefront of this. Can you kind of explain your research? Um, and I know you have new patented technology as well. So if you can explain that as well, that'd be uh, amazing. Yeah, first of all, I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm an engineer, I'm an electrical engineer. I'm particularly interested in developing technologies that can solve problems, especially in biological and the biomedical areas. So one of the things over the last 10 years that my lab, uh, myself and my graduate students and postdocs has been working on is to figure out how we can um, capture this so-called circulating tumor cells from cancer patients' blood. Um, so let me just sort of explain why it's important uh, to do that. So circulating tumor cells or CTCs for short, they are the cancer cells that are breaks away from the original tumor. That's why uh, cancer is so deadly because most of the uh, patient who has cancer die from the spread of the cancer, not from uh, the original mass. So it's very important to understand uh, what makes the cancer cell to be able to break away from the original mass and what makes them have certain attributes that can survive bloodstream, but also being able to start growth somewhere else. So this is a very interesting and a very important uh, problem in cancer biology and clinical science, clinical oncology. So I, I become interested in this problem about 10 years ago uh, when I learned from literature and the you know, medium that uh, even though CT6 appears to be very important, uh, it's extremely uh, difficult uh, to be able to study them. One of the main reasons is they exist in very, very small quantities uh, in cancer patients' bloodstream. So if you take a uh, milliliter of human blood from a cancer patient, and you're looking at uh, at least a million white blood cells, at least a billion red blood cells, and among all these cells numbers, high quantity of cell numbers, CTC numbers are probably somewhere between one and 10. 
So you're looking at a very, very small amount of cells hiding in a vast majority of blood cells. In terms of engineering and technology, it's, it's almost impossible to be able to uh, differentiate and capture this CTCs in, in such a large amount of other background blood cells. So that's why it's so challenging. That's why I think, you know, this kind of research or this kind of problem needs people from engineering side, from other side to be able to come in and uh, figure out a different way of, of, you know, how to catch the cells and so that people in basic science and clinical oncology can, can start really understand this uh, CTCs. So that's sort of a, a long explanation on, you know, why this problem is important. And over the last 10 years, um, you know, the students in my lab, the postdocs in my lab, work together to figure out not only one, but multiple ways of using engineering approach to capture this CTCs so that they can be used and better understood in a way um, that hopefully one day would answer some of the questions in cancer research. Very impressive how you've combined engineering with something that is so healthcare-based and taking over our frontline workers every single day. Now, for the CTCs or these circulating tumor cells that are so hard to find, yet your technology is able to find them not just dead, but they're functional and useful in life for oncologists. You've told us what your technology does. How does it work in terms of if you were to put it in words for the normal person who isn't in engineering or isn't in healthcare to understand? Yeah, so that's a uh, very good question. So there are many different other ways of doing that. In the past, people uh, typically rely on a certain antigen expression on this particular CTCs. Uh, expression so that they can catch them using an antibody that's acting against that antigen. But over the years, uh, people have learned, even though the CTCs are extremely rare, they also are extremely heterogeneous, meaning that they look very different in terms of their morphology in the microscope, but also in terms of how they express the surface molecules on their surface. And that's also uh, has something to do with the way cancer has progressed over the course of treatment. So using a single uh, marker, biomarker, in order to isolate CTCs, even though it has been proven to be successful in the beginning, but people are realizing this is not sufficient. So that really makes made us thinking, can we use something else? Can we use maybe some uh, intrinsic difference uh, between CTCs and blood cells in order to separate them or in order to tell them apart. Uh, one way we do that is to use their physical morphology. It turns out that on the sort of statistical level, the CTCs appear to be a little bit larger than uh, the blood cells, including the red blood cells and the white blood cells. Uh, so by just using the slight morphology difference, uh, we're able to do a very fast separation from CTCs, uh, of CTCs away from the blood cells. The benefit of doing such a way is that you do not, you, we do not need a biomarker. We do not need to use antibody uh, because they're pretty time consuming and uh, expensive. So by just using their size alone or morphology alone, you can do a very fast high throughput 
isolation. The reason for that is, if you remember earlier, that the CTCs are existing in maybe 10 or less than 10 in a milliliter of whole blood. So in order to get some meaningful quantity of CTCs, we have to process at least more than seven milliliters or sometimes 10, 20 milliliters of blood. So processing a large amount of blood samples, you cannot spend too much time on it because then the cells will go bad, they will die in the process. So being able to do this in a low cost, fast, high throughput way would maintain the cell's viability, maintain the cell functions so that they will still provide, hopefully, the similar information that they they, they have when they're in the blood circulation. Yeah, so that's one of the ways we do that. And we have other ways of doing that, but uh, I'm gonna, you know, just pause here and uh, yeah. Oh, you did it. You did a good job explaining that it's it's very interesting and impressive how efficient this process is. And you've gotten your technology patented recently. How has it been received by um, when you talk to oncologists? I know you've worked with the university center as well with the um, cancer specialists. Essentially, what have you been hearing from them? And then how have you been kind of shaping this technology as you work on it to be helpful and easy for them to use? Yeah, that's a very, very important question. Because I can tell you that uh, as an engineer, uh, we always want things that work in the lab to be useful in applications, you know, to be translational. But even though uh, we want that to be the case, but we always are faced with a lot of challenges. Because uh, if you think about, for example, the, the technology in my lab, there is a dedicated student or postdoc working with the technology, knows the ins and out of everything about the technology so that he or she can start using that to process blood samples from cancer patient uh, to isolate CTCs. But if you just gave the same instrument or device to a untrained person or people who are trained but not specifically on that technology, uh, you will have a big barrier for that person to be able to use it. In fact, I can tell you a story, a failed story. Okay, <laughs> so I think during the pandemic, we we were contacted by one of the uh, oncologist, a medical doctor who's treating breast cancer patient in Los Angeles, California. He's extremely interesting using our technology to look at the CTCs, to look at how uh, the genomes of CTCs uh, for breast cancer patients who are receiving immunotherapy. We send everything off to that lab, uh, but they have a lot of difficulty in using a technology uh, because it just requires a lot of training and understanding and trials and errors in order to get everything to work. And frequently the people in the hospital, in the clinic, even in the basic research lab does not have such resource or time to do something like that. So uh, returning back to your point, uh, by patenting this technology, by working with uh, people who are still interested in doing this technology, using this technology, we're trying to significantly bring down the gap of the training. I mean, the, the requirement of the training in order for someone to use this technology. Our ultimate goal is so that we can have a fully automated machine that people can perform the sample in answers out or CTC out uh, assay with the press of a few buttons. We're still very far from away from that, but we're making progress towards that goal. So that's that's going to take some time and take a lot of resource to do that. 
And the patience that you have shown through your research is quite amenable. Um, mm -hmm. I know it can't be easy. I mean, it's one of those diseases that we always talk about and we are always struggling to even find cures. And it feels like once someone is diagnosed with cancer, I mean, there's this whole stigma and notion of that it's a death sentence at some point. And so that is a, a very impressive take of uh, also minimal training. Now, people who do have minimal training can, that's the intent with this technology that they can operate this device and get the same results as one would in the lab. So how do you imagine labs would look like once your technology hopefully is the mainstream way to go? Do you think that labs will remain as busy as they are detecting cancer or CTC cells or, you know, there's people working there too? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's a very good question. I mean, I have to say that in addition to myself and my colleagues here working on our technology, there are a lot of progress over the years that people are using different ways to identify the biomarkers in the cancer patient, especially in the blood circulation, in order for people to predict or detect cancer early. I think that there's a lot of news recently about Grail as a company that can offer this multiple cancer early detection using circulating DNA instead of circulating uh, tumor cells. So, uh, and there's people also looking at the circulating exosome, which is a small pack that cells gives out uh, for communication and they use them as a way of detecting cancer. I cannot predict the future, but I think as time goes on, as our understanding to the, you know, blood, so-called liquid biopsy, basically using the liquid component in the blood circulation to predict the disease. As this technology matures and as time goes on, maybe there's one day people, or the, at least the doctor's office, can offer this to the patient or uh, to pay to people who are at a higher risk of, uh, you know, having cancer, for them to be able to monitor this uh, in addition to use imaging and other technologies. So I think that would be something hopefully that will become a reality uh, in the future. And I, I definitely hope that our technology would have some contribution towards that goal in the future too. I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> now, it doesn't only seem like this technology can help find out if one has cancer or how harsh it is, but it can figure out in ways of how oncologists or other healthcare providers can kind of shape their plan of action to how they want to treat their patients. So how does that work? Yeah, so that's uh, another excellent question. So uh, getting the cells from the patient's blood circulation is just the first step. Over the last many years, uh, people have just been counting the numbers of the cells once they're isolated. And that has been proven to be very useful in predicting the outcome of the treatment. Uh, but over the last few years, people realized that the cell themselves, the CTC themselves, has a lot of information to, be, to offer. They're not alike, like I said earlier, even though they're very rare, they're very different between themselves. Some appears to be extremely aggressive, it could be the seed of the cancer spread. Uh, uh, into other places. Some are just uh, uh, dead cancer cells that are dead. They sort of uh, passively disassociate from the primary tumor that are not very invasive at all. So um, how one can tell them apart 
and also do subsequent analysis on them. For example, genomic uh, transcript, all kinds of uh, uh, molecular analysis on the cells to reveal the specific information from that patient could be very useful in helping the oncologist to you know, design a personalized treatment plan for that particular patient. I think that sort of fits into the overall precision medicine sort of uh, initiative or the idea where um, even though they are all called cancer, but you know, they're very different uh, between patients. So the cells, the CPCs from their blood circulation can be used as a very useful way to understand how different, what's the difference, and maybe helping the um, oncologist to come up with a better strategy to treat uh, that patient. So uh, yes, um, that's that's hopefully uh, the outcome. And our technology, so not only isolate the cells and tells you how many of them are there, it also tells them tells you how many of them are, appears to be very aggressive by looking at their motility, meaning their migration over a certain time period. And uh, we hope in the near future that we can also follow up on that and we can sort of pick out that particularly uh, aggressive subgroup and do uh, subsequent molecular analysis on them to understand more about this group, a particular group of cells. That's very impressive. Now, here's a question that I ask all researchers that come on and share their research on this podcast is for people who aren't involved in this research and are just now hearing about the work, hard work that you do and your team does. How can we help your research? I think there's many different ways of helping research. I mean, depending on who you are, you know, uh, myself and my colleagues are extremely grateful for the patients who voluntarily agreed to enroll in our study and provide their blood samples uh, with no cost. You know, I have to say that this patient, they are very, very sick patients. They're usually stage four, stage three B cancer patient. They're not likely to benefit from our research at all because it's gonna be at least many years away, but they still voluntarily provide the blood samples and I'm extremely grateful. That's one thing. Second of all, if you're a student, work on something that really you're passionate about, something like this or something like other research that you're passionate about, because it takes really hard work. Uh, I know you mentioned hard work at the beginning. I think uh, I have to say that, uh, you know, working on this technology requires dedication. One of my previous lab member, a graduate student, sometimes he has to spend countless hours in order to be able to finish the whole essay of isolating CTCs. I think that's really a dedication that, that somebody who has a passion about this research would really, really have. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I know there's a lot of other peoples, but I think uh, because I'm a researcher, I, 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 uh, I saw students and, and my colleagues most of the time if you're interested in this research and if you are passionate about this research, hopefully you will get involved and, and uh, you know, and do some exciting research to solve this problem. Well, I hope our listeners can take even a scent of the inspiration and hard work that you put into this as well as the patients. Thank you so much, Dr. Mao, for taking out the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate it past just the conversation. What you're working on is 
you know, innovation at its best. So thank you so much for putting in all the hard work that you do. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Athens Frontline podcast presented by The Red and Black. I'm your host, Simran Kaur Malhotra. Make sure you tune back in next week for our next episode. Until then, check us out on social media at Red and Black. Have a healthy and safe rest of your week.